Welcome to Takeaways, Life Lessons Learned. I'm your host, Hayam Mizrahi, recording from MDL Group. Recognized market leaders in commercial real estate brokerage and property management in Las Vegas, Nevada. Join me as I explore my takeaways from the people who have influenced me the most. Let's get started. We're back. I am sitting here with none other than my new co-host, Mariana Honeycutt. So I have a question. My name is Chaim Mizrahi. My mom would have said it, Chaim Mizrahi. When people who can't do that try to do that, it kind of hurts. When people try to say your name like you say your name, do you appreciate it or does it kind of hurt? Do you just say, just say Mariana? Mariana. Mariana. You want the effort. <laughs> I have heard my name pronounced so many different ways throughout my lifetime that it's, uh, yeah, it's it's all good. Whatever, however it works for the best person. Yeah. <laughs> well, welcome. For those who don't know, Mariana is a civil engineer and practice builder with Kimley Horn and Associates. What you might not know about Mariana is that she is passionate about STEM outreach with a particular focused aim, empowering, helping, and facilitating young women and children in underrepresented backgrounds to pursue education and careers in STEM. So much so that you were one of 20 people nationally to be recognized for this with a NAOP and Prologis award. What was the award called? I think we got that mixed up. <laughs> no, did I? All right. Straighten me out. It was actually nominated for the uh, Engineers News Record um, National Top Young Professionals Award. Yes, it was, it was quite the honor. I was um, uh, very much appreciative of, of that nomination. Um, because I, I do feel very strongly about STEM outreach in our community and, uh, especially among women and like I said, underrepresented, uh, uh, individuals, um, you know, STEM science, technology, engineering, and math is critical to what we do as developers and, and as part of the commercial real estate, um, industry. And we need more engineers. We need more mathematicians. We need more scientists and, um, you know, people solving problems. Uh, you know, a lot of times people ask me, well, what do you do? And I say, you know, I'm good. A, Cause I was literally about to ask you that. <laughs> I tell people, you know, a civil engineer by education and trade, but really I'm a professional problem solver and I love doing it. Awesome. Well, thank you for doing what you do. So we are here to talk about the February NAOP program and our takeaways. In the last episode, we recapped our takeaways from the January program. We're here for NAOP. We're talking about NAOP, and NAOP is the Association for the Commercial Real Estate Development Community. The February breakfast virtual program was titled Land, Why Our Future Depends on It. So dramatic. <laughs> so dramatic, but so true. We had a, an absolute top shelf panel that morning what was cool about this as as we kind of go through this and if anybody actually was there and watched it or you can actually watch it on youtube if you're a naop member katrina or jana can send you the link this is a massive conversation in massive organizations in our community and beyond and on this particular morning we brought this conversation 
to NAOP to our audience. So the panelists were, brace yourself here. You already know the answer, but everybody else, brace yourself. Michael Brown, Executive Director with the Nevada Governor's Office for Economic Development. Marcy Henson, Director of Clark County Department of Environment and Sustainability. And Rosemary Vasiliadis, Director of Aviation for Clark County. So we have economic development from the governor's office. We have Clark County's environment and sustainability head person. And we have the head person from aviation from all of Clark County right here. Well, it was back then, but right here. And of course, the only person that could moderate a conversation so complex and do it so smoothly is none other than El Presidente for the NAOP Southern Nevada chapter for 2021, Mr. David Strickland. The program sponsor that morning, I have to say, was Helix Electric, a longtime NAOP member and supporter. 319 people zoomed in that morning. Massive, huh? A great program. Great topic. Uh, David Strickland uh, really led the effort on that program and has been very integral in this lands bill and has done He's a no joke. ton of research on it. Yes. Yeah. We, so we, last time, we at the last episode, you and I talked about how much time you and I spent watching the videos and helping direct and edit and, and whatnot. Dave spends literally countless hours within NAOP government affairs and the lands bill. And before we go into our takeaways, there was something else very special from the February breakfast program that we have got to mention. Dave announced that we won three awards. We being the NAOP Southern Nevada chapter received three awards at the NAOP chapter leader Leadership and Legislative Retreat, which would have been in D.C. It's there every year. This time it was a virtual event. But the three awards were the Special Event Award for the NAOP Bus Tour in 2020. We won. National Critically Acclaimed Bus Tour. We won. Special congratulations to committee chairs. There are many, but in particular, Sean Zayer, Jake Higgins, and Jen Levine for making that happen for our chapter. They did a fantastic job. Yes, they did. They resolved... Like last year was all about if you have the resolution, it'll get done. They resolved to have a bus tour and make it a meaningful bus tour. Even though it was virtual, it was still phenomenal. The second award, Outstanding Leadership Award by a chapter president for a large chapter, went to none other than Julie Cleaver, NAOP Southern Nevada chapter president for 2020. Well-deserved. Can you imagine being in Julie's position at the beginning of the year? You know, we heard rumblings of this uh, flu-like, you know, uh, symptoms going around. And, you know, we all probably just thought, you know. We absolutely thought that. It was a big deal. We we, we talked about it. Oh, China's opening back up already before we were shutting down. No, I cannot. As you were saying that, I'm shaking my head. I cannot imagine having been a chapter president at that time having to navigate not just the year because it really then broke down by month and even month broke down by week and week broke down by every other day you know we were across the board as an organization all right we're coming back we can have a spotlight we can have spotlight in person Mm, no we can't bus tour we can have bus tour no you can't do that either breakfast we had like two or three breakfast fall starts where we thought we were going no we weren't and julie was that not just at the center of all that, at the helm of all that. And let's not forget our big host event of last of last year, uh, Converge. 
here in yes, Las Vegas. That's right. And Julie I did forget. <laughs> was so excited, so excited to plan that, to host it here. I remember talking to her in December of 2019 um, at the holiday party, actually, and wishing her well for that. And I could just tell we're, everyone was so thrilled about that. And uh, to have to completely revamp what was planned, I thought she just did a great job. And Converge is the national NAOP conference, and it was supposed to be in Las Vegas. We were the host city. Right. So if those two weren't enough, we also were awarded the Grand Poobah, the Chapter of the Year Award for a large chapter. And to really appreciate this, large chapter by national NAOP standards is what you would think of a large chapter. So little old Southern Nevada, NAOP Southern Nevada won out of every chapter in the United States, including cities like New York, Chicago, Houston, San Francisco. We have a lot to be proud of. We really do. All right, you ready to kick off the February breakfast program? Let's do it. Let's do it. So we talked about the dramatic title, Land, Our Lives and Futures Depend on It. We talked about the massive conversation that it is, the massive panelists that we brought together to have this conversation. Let me do an aside. I was on three pre-calls. We talked in the last episode about the NAOP pre-call. I was on about three pre-calls around this thing. I still don't fully have a grasp of the entire conversation, but I do feel like after the breakfast, I was much more clear on what it is we're talking about. Yeah, it's interesting because this topic of land, you keep hearing it come up, but it, at least in my experience, everyone I, I hear is there's no more land available. No more land. No more land. All the land has hair. And so my question is, like you said, not having a knowledge on the matter is, well, why? Where is it? Why can't we get it? That's what this program is all about. And so a, a director of economic development for the governor's office, a director of aviation, a director of environment and sustainability all walked into a bar. How the hell is any of this connected to land? So they kicked off, Dave, Dave Strickland kicked off by having um, Rosemary Vasiliadis right. I hope I said that right. So she she pulled it. We, we had a B-roll on this one, too. We talked about B-roll last mm -hmm. time. She pulls up a picture of McCarran Airport. She did a few things, but really cutting to it, a picture of McCarran Airport today. And, well, the first picture was McCarran Airport in the 50s, I think it was. And you could see it's just by itself. It's what you would expect an airport. It's kind of off away from this from everything. But then she showed a picture of present day and how everything grew around the airport. And she really illustrated how the airport is utterly landlocked. Period. End of story. She put a little uh, highlight on the land just west of the airport and how it butts up to the fence of the runways. Right. And how after 1 October specifically, the additional security that they have to worry about. So that's it. McCarran's landlocked. What does this have to do with land? Well, so she talked about because of that, we now need another airport in southern nevada servicing southern nevada we're growing we're growing yep. and it's not uncommon for other com communities like ours to have two airports servicing them mm -hmm. so how what does that have to do with economic development she she finished her comments um underscoring that the economic impact of mccarran now harry reed when is it going to be harry reed i don't know the official date it's been renamed yeah. though since this yeah i think it it was since this wasn't it 
Yeah, it was very recent. It was recent. The Clark County Commission voted to change the name from McCarran International Airport to the Harry Reid International Airport. We're going to have to get used to that. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, but how it ties into economic development is there are 250,000 jobs here in Southern Nevada that are supported by the airport, and it creates an economic benefit of $35 billion, billion with a B. Enter in Michael Brown, director. Strickland kept calling him Director Brown. <laughs> a so, fitting name. What's that? A fitting title. A fitting title. Um, I'm going to share one of my takeaways from this whole thing. And it didn't come from the breakfast. It came from the, pre- from the pre-calls. You know, we talked about we do these to get the panelists oriented with each other. And it really showed in this one. Because Michael Brown said on at least two occasions, if not three, how much he is learning about this whole conversation and narrative. How the airport is connected to economic development and economic development is connected to availability of land in southern nevada absolutely yeah so interesting uh and and the comparisons too with northern nevada in this sense as well i think is just was fascinating what he brought up in that conversation yeah so he he really he put up a slide Mm -hmm. a couple of slides to open up his remarks to illustrate everything um he talked about on a on a hundred scale southern nevada is diversified to a 67 out of 100 what really brought it home is when he, he then talked about Utah, Arizona, and Colorado are diversified at 97, 96, and 93 on a 100 scale. And Reno, then the next one was, here's how Reno's doing compared to Southern Nevada, or Northern Nevada, I should say. Right. As far as, and specifically, we're talking about economic diversification. Yeah, I <laughs> thought that that conversation was just really, really interesting. And he had highlighted some key points to that to which, you know, really led into a lot of the discussion on what key sectors we really need to dive into and how land comes into play so critically for that. And industrial, finding property for and large industrial sites for commerce was a big part of that, big key piece of it. And then jumping back to January, this was exactly what the conversation was from the developers, the people that would buy these big parcels of land to make these large-scale developments now it's tied back so he was bringing it tying it back into at the governor's office level why it's critical for economic diversification remember we talked about the netflix special episode one tying to episode two and three here you're seeing the connection there (laughs) it is and and i think the the discussion that rosemary had brought up uh where ivanpah is a really key piece to this is you've got the railroad that runs right through there. It's also conveniently located. And Haim, I know we talked about this just before this discussion. At that point, from between the Southern California and Las Vegas Transit Corridor, it's at the point where truckers can go up to Ivanpah, un- offload, turn around, and go back to California all in the same day. Legally, they cannot do that if they go beyond that point. So it's just a really key piece for that location in particular. So anybody who's listening to this driving, don't pick up your phone. Don't Google where Ivanpah is. <laughs> it's how would you describe where it is? So someone, if they're thinking about Southern Nevada and, uh, you know, I-15 goes north, south, up and down, right through the strip and then south, kind of at like 215 going down to Am Resort, where then is Ivanpah? You probably haven't really seen it. You've driven through it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a whole lot there. It's it's uh, 
just near, if you've driven out of Las Vegas, headed south towards uh, towards State Line, you've probably seen it as you've driven by that by that big solar field out there. It's very, it's on the way <laughs> to State Line. And you don't think that it's that critical, but where the land is is very critical, and we'll talk about that in a second when we talk about uh, Marcy Henson and, and her comments. But staying with uh, Director Brown and his comments and uh, what he talked about as far as economic diversification, he gave us our benchmarks, which I thought was good. He then talked about where we can win, essentially. Where is the, the medium-term focus? Before that, before we can even get to that, he really, I thought, did a great job of giving me perspective, giving the audience perspective on the context of how the pandemic played into all of this. And what he shared around around the pandemic was, you know, before we can talk about the future and economic diversification, we have to be in the reality of of where we are today. And he gave us uh, three things to think about or what, what they think about and his team think about, which is they have to respond to the pandemic. There's there has to be a response. They have to provide relief for the businesses who are already here. And only then can we talk about recovery. Right. And where we are in that, uh, again, this was the February breakfast. Uh, he believed at the time that response will be through May. And by July, well, response will be over about May. Relief will continue. And by July, they'll start stepping into recovery. To me, that was really clarifying. It was nice, nice to have some timelines that was put to that, yeah. So then, you know, kind of jumping off from there into what you were talking about, where can we win? He, he highlighted some sections around for Southern Nevada. What are, what are the realities? You know, we're not going to overnight become a, a Silicon Valley. Right. But what we can do were a few things that he shared. One of them was around manufacturing. These these other ones were kind of interesting. I'm curious your thoughts on it. There were there were four manufacturing to be a manufacturing hub, to be a world class zero carbon economy to work on our health and wellness and to become a remote working playground. Now, to me, when I hear that, I think new energy technology, uh, utilizing the resources we have, a lot of sunlight. Uh, when I hear that, I hear health and medical fields, which I know we've had success in the past on. And uh, we are continuing to have initiatives, um, you know, through UNLV and the medical center and, uh, continued growth in that, that area. And, uh, I think those are probably the most relevant and achievable, uh, remote. The last one though, you said a remote working, working, working playground. playground. That's interesting. You I, know where this is all coming from? Where? You know, we talked at the last episode in the January program where they talked about all this, uh, everything's working. Everyone's working from home. All this remote work stuff is going to be happening. One, you know, Vegas, one thing Vegas always does brilliantly is market Vegas. Right. So one of the things they, they did, some messaging that came out of the, you know, after the closures, as we were reopening, Vegas was marketing itself to remote workers. Like if you're going to be remote, you might as well be in Vegas. Here's a wonderful hotel room. We're getting rid of resort fees. We're giving you free Wi-Fi. That's high capacity Wi-Fi. If you have to work somewhere, forget the cold weather in the Midwest. Forget, come to Vegas. So I don't know if, you know, GOED, Governor's Office of Economic Development, if it was specifically from that, but that there was a huge narrative around, now, do you around think, that. Do you think it's for long term or short term? That's a question. So here's where I, I'm going to poke. 
like John Ramos was poking last month. I want to poke a little bit on this. Uh, and it might be totally out of the realm of reality, but I think it's, it's important. Why wouldn't we put on here something around education? I'm going to pull the thread a little bit around this. You know, when we talk about economic diversification, and this really came up in March as well, um, so did manufacturing. So let's kind of hold those two together. Right. Uh, one of the things we keep running into is an educated workforce, where I'm going way out on the limb here. So educated workforce is not education. It's not K through 12, and it's not higher ed. It's something different, and I get that. Here's my philosophy and how I've been thinking about this over the last few years. In Southern Nevada, we know how to be world-class. Not every community can say that. We are world-class, and I'm not saying that lightly. I mean it to the literal definition. You can go anywhere in the world, and we compete, perform, achieve at a level that is at or higher than anywhere else in the world around certain things. Gaming, hospitality, nightlife, Apparent, entertainment apparently now the the um aspiration is is to also do this in uh to be a world-class zero carbon economy uh, director brown was using world-class in the same way that i'm using world-class so shifting from it's still a hospitality uh mindset but shifting it to a something where you can be productive in the workforce i guess and i'm going to say let's take it another one and say you know, an athlete that is a world-class athlete knows what it takes, the dedication, the commitment, the determination, the vision, the drive. They know how to do that in their sport. Right. We know how to do that as a city around a, a holster of things that we just talked about, so much so that when Director Brown is, is saying to do this in zero-carbon emission, we know how to do that. So let's take it a step further and do that in education. And let's assume for a second we do that, that Las Vegas has a world-class K through 12 education system. What kind of economic diversification and economic attraction will that provide? Just an immense, uh, an immense amount of opportunity. You've got, you can bring in, like we were talking about earlier, the value of technology, training a workforce who, um, you know, that can do white collar jobs, blue collar jobs. Uh, you have the right uh, mix of workforce as well. Obviously, when you have the high class and that's your focus, just a tremendous amount of opportunity can come out of that. And what is the con how does the conversation change with any C-suite saying, why should I move to Southern Nevada? Because your kids will have a world-class education. Right. The kids of your employees and your, and your team will have a world-class education. If that's a starting point, a lot of things change. Thanks for bearing with me with my riff and, and entertaining <laughs> it. But let's get back to the February program. So I got to poke. Thanks, John Ramos, for being a model for that. <laughs> um, so from Director Brown talking about economic diversification, we went to Mary Henson, who, again, her title is um, Director of Clark County Department of Environment and Sustainability. Right, Mar Marcy Henson. Marcy, yes. thank you. What would I say? Mary. <laughs> Mary, Marcy. <laughs> thank you. Um, Rosemary is where I was. Yes, Right, Rosemary. that's where I got that from. <laughs> Sorry, Marcy. Uh, so, and then again, you look at this and like, well, how is that involved in, in any of this? But this was for me, the really, a brilliant part in the program to tie it all together. And again, credit to our, our buddy, Dave Strickland, who knows how to do this. Yeah. You know, the, what he highlighted was the stakeholders involved, right? So you've got Rosemary department of aviation, you got Michael Brown, 
uh, economic office and uh, Marcy from the county. And she highlighted a lot of really important issues. You know, in order to obtain all this property, obtain this land, there's a certain amount of essentially justification and offsetting in order to achieve that, that we would have to uh, commit to as part of this lands bill. So she said uh, two things really that you have to understand before you can have this conversation. One, the majority of the land in Southern Nevada is administered by some federal agency. Right. And what that does is they, so a federal agency then has administrative ways to release land. However, those administrative solutions are often not a solution. Therefore, you have to go to a congressional act. And that's one of the things that we're talking about. And so this is where the NAOP land study comes into effect. NAOP paid Mr. Restrepo, Restrepo Consulting Group, uh, to create a land study to really give um, the stats, the information, the understanding to this whole conversation. It's not just the land. Here's why land's important. It's economic development. It's growth and, and all that stuff. That's the, that's the justification. And right now, as we're speaking, there is a lands bill. That's the other thing she talked about. Uh, these are generational occurrences where a lands bill like this is introduced. So it's easy for someone like me, I'm going to say maybe for someone like you, not to know about this, not to pay attention to this because it's it's every generation. However, the importance of it means I get to work here for the next 20 years or and beyond, and you get to work here finding all that land for the developers and clearing the hair off of it, like they said, for the next 20 years. And it's happening right now. Right. I think the last time this came by was, what, like 10, 20 years ago, something like that? She said 1998. 90, okay. So I, I just graduated high school. <laughs> what were you doing in 98? Uh, I was uh, I was probably playing at some playground. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just it. what I thought was really interesting about this and what David was emphasizing is this doesn't come around often, right? We have the privilege at this point to be part of the conversation to educate ourselves on this and prepare ourselves for the next one to come too. And, uh, you know, I think it's something, the lands bill is a topic certainly that most of the membership, I'd argue, probably isn't super familiar with. As on the programs committee, this is something that I really had, I've heard of and talkings and I listen to NPR, but really didn't understand much about how important this is. And it's like we said, I mean, it's so complex. You can't have this conversation without understanding what happened in 1998. Right. So what she, what Marcy, I got her name right. What Marcy talked about was that the Southern Nevada Public Lands Management Act was passed. And in the act, it identified where the additional land can be disposed of for economic development and it has to be for economic development. So that's back to the tie-in and the tie-in back to McCarran is if we need another airport servicing Southern Nevada, because that one's landlocked in that capacity, where is it going to be? It's going to be in Ivanpah and it all ties back to this 1998 land act. So the other great thing about Dave and the programs committee and this, this innovation of using B roll in these programs is we popped open a map. And the map started in the northern part of Clark County. In Mo near Moapa. Moapa. Yeah. Moapa, Tribal Enterprises. Do you <laughs> remember those commercials? I do not. <laughs> Growing up here, Moapa, Tribal Enterprises <laughs> for fireworks. That's what I think about any time I hear Moapa. That's where you went. Moapa. <laughs> Fourth <laughs> of July. That's right. I never went there, but on every radio station, that's what you heard. It was like Christmas music in July. That was the commercial. 
So Marcy talked about the stakeholders as it relates to all of this land stuff. So it started in Moapa with uh, the Paiutes, the Paiute tribe, and they, as a stakeholder, they want to increase their tribal land. So if land is going to be released, we want some for tribal land. And she actually spoke favorably of getting them to the table as a stakeholder. Right. So that was cool. Yeah, I thought that was great that those discussions went seemingly went really well. So then she used the term critical environmental concern, land that has critical environmental concern. Right. Now, this is something that um, I I'm relatively familiar with, um, you know, as a uh, doing a lot of development projects. There's a something called a desert tortoise mitigation uh, permit or a, a, it's it's a process a permit you have to obtain when you're developing any property in Clark County proper and uh, it's to basically pay a fee it's a per acre fee on every project that goes towards this very um, uh, uh, concept of offsetting or mitigating uh, impacts to uh, environmentally sensitive areas and part of that means you know part of the the benefit of being able to develop in Clark County is we're offsetting uh, you know critically endangered species areas protecting these a- these areas in other parts of uh, southern Nevada and then click different than that I thought it was the same thing but it's not conservation to offset habitat loss oh no sorry wilderness I think was different than that one that's a little bit different yeah right Right. That one is a I thought that was really interesting because that was the first time I've heard of that. Um, But I think you could see on the on the map, uh, which uh, Marcy had set up, there was some hatched areas out near Moapa as well, where that was uh, really critical to protecting. And then the recreation recreationists. Where where do I get to go drive my razor? I don't have one, but (laughs) people that have one, they're crazy about them. (laughs) So you have uh, tribal stakeholders, environmental stakeholders, conservation stakeholders, recreation stakeholders you can't have this conversation without getting everybody in the room to talk about how is this going to work and i had had an interesting conversation with john restrepo about this i'm like how do you (laughs) how do you even start (laughs) in that kind of you know uh with all those stakeholders very passionate obviously about their individual perspective i can't imagine it's an easy conversation to have for sure yeah that's why we need all these highly talented people in the room so the net net result of this is, all right, we have a lands bill. We want some land released for development for the specific benefit of economic development. And that brings us down south where we talked about in the Ivanpah area. And Marcy went through and beautifully talked about where these patches of land are, where the ones are different for development as opposed to recreation or conservation. And she said something that's hypercritical because it also ties back to what the developers spoke about in January. She said a few things. Um, first of all, we're talking about 32,000 acres. It's a big That'll keep you busy swath, at yeah. Kimley Horn. <laughs> that was a key piece, 32,000 acres, large parcels. That was key, large parcels, not these two and a half acre parcels we have here in the Southwest. Right. Large parcels. In the right area. Right area. So when and when she stated that, I'm thinking vicinity to the I-15 corridor, uh-huh. easy uh-huh. access. Yep. Right away dedications, ideally. <laughs> and then the magic words: primarily non-residential. This, Why was that important? This is so key, and this actually uh, touches on some of the conversation from our developers panel in January as well, because some of the topics that were brought up there was about 
land that is available or that is possible to develop on is going to the highest bidder. And so these zone changes, um, is it's frustrating a lot of developers locally because, you know, you've got the residential uh, development community picking those up. And so what's key to the economic development diversification for Southern Nevada is making sure that if we are acquiring the, if this property is going to be acquired as part of this lands bill, that we're committing to making sure it is for the purpose of developing Southern Nevada's economy and not necessarily going to the highest bidder. Amen. That's you know, critical. to really kind of drive that point home, if you go, if you put yourself at Jones and 215 South, uh, and you just look at that intersection, you've got, I think, switches on one side, you've got um, Golden Gaming on the other side, and you start traveling west on the 215 up into the curve. So Jeff Lepore was talking about this, and he said, you know, the 215 is like beachfront property. I mean, how much frontage is left on the 215 for development? And then they talked about uh, Jim Stewart's comment was, you know, when BLM releases land, by its mandate, it goes to the highest bidder. And the developers that can pay the most are home builders. Home builders, right. And that, I mean, it's, all of this is happening now. It's so fascinating. It's critical. We can be sitting here 20 years from now talking about this. And if we didn't get it right, we're going to have some criticisms to share. And if we do get it right, well, it'll be because of NAOP's help. Right. I think this is going to, the key piece to this is the, how it's going to play out with the county, right? And how we're going to be strategically planning for these initiatives. Such a huge conversation. I mean, we could probably continue on this one. Is there anything else from the February program that wasn't said that we need to include? I don't think so. I, I hope uh, those listening in um, do have a chance to, you know, read up or at least take a moment to learn more about the lands. Well, it's going to be a really big deal, um, have a major impact on the growth of our of our uh, economy down here. So it, it, it's something that certainly I would en encourage everyone to look into. Well said. Thank you, Mariana. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. That concludes the takeaways from our February NAOP program, the title being Land, Why Our Future Depends on It. And don't forget NAOP's April program will be April 15th at 7.50 a.m. sharp to hear the Katrina Bruce soundtrack. Everyone, thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, leave us a comment, leave us a review. Tune in next time. Thank you for listening. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Takeaways podcast is about sharing and paying it forward. If you like this show, please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast and leave us a review. It really goes a long way. And if you really like the show, please share takeaways with a friend. Thank you and tune in next time.